The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. You must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny. The only NFL podcast, one of the host's favorite form of prevent defense is Frontline. That's Lenny. Still waiting for that sponsorship. I'm Mina Kimes. I am joined by the one, I like that one. the only, thank you, the host of the Dominique Foxworth show, Dominique Foxworth. Hey, yeah, I like that one. That's the that's the flea and tick medicine, right? It is, yeah. I, I don't know if I've used it before, but it feels like I haven't. Maybe I have. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> keeping track. If anyone's keeping track, how dare you? Um, <laughs> yeah, should be ashamed. I should probably keep track. Dominique, welcome back. The Super Bowl is set. You're in New York. We're coming off of two very weird championship games, um, one of which was so weird that uh, I was really struggling to even decide what to talk about with it. Uh, that, of course, is the game where the Eagles at one point played Christian McCaffrey at quarterback. Uh, I, I feel like any time we anticipate an incredible NFL game, you're like it, there's like a 50 percent chance it's gonna let you down in some i didn't anticipate it letting us down in this particular way maybe i should have knowing the niners luck with quarterback injuries um but so we're not gonna like get into the games per se i asked you uh to come up with so so we're first we're gonna talk about the teams that are in the super bowl i'm not doing matchups just yet there'll be plenty of time for that next week but for the chiefs and the eagles i wanted each of us to kind of come up with Basically, three reasons why they're in the Super Bowl, why they got here, taking a step back, looking at both their, you know, the championships, the body of work, the season, and maybe there'll be some takeaways for other teams coming out of it. Then in the second half of this podcast, we're going to look ahead for the Bengals and the Niners, both of whom have very interesting off seasons, one of which got a lot more interesting with the news that Brock Purdy, their quarterback, uh, suffered a pretty serious injury. So, Dominique... Does that sound good? Are you happy to take the Eagles? Love it. Um, you want me to start? Um, yeah, you can start. It, it's, it's. I mean, from a team building, larger lesson, roster construction standpoint, I actually think this is also really interesting because the two teams are so different um, and the reasons they've succeeded are pretty different. So, yeah, you go first. Give it, let's, let's, let's start with the Eagles. Um, well, I mean, I had one throwaway comment is the nfc sucks it's one of the reasons why the eagles are in the super bowl but that yeah. you can't really control that from a roster building standpoint we talked about yeah, the, the yeah we talked about the kind of um open uh pathway there was in the nfc for much of the season but not only was that pathway there but the nfc got worse once the playoffs started <laughs> with injuries yeah. and whatnot so that's a bit of luck yeah so the nfc sucks that's part of it i also think that from a roster construction standpoint, the AJ Brown trade was an enormous decision. But let's give that... ahead. Let's give ahead. Let's talk about let's oh, take okay, these one gotcha. at a time. Um, okay. I think the AJ thing is really interesting and I do want to get into that. But your point about the NFC, I mean, the Eagles could not have had an easier path to get to the Super Bowl in the playoffs, facing a very undermanned Giants team that beat a very overrated Vikings team. And then the Niners game was supposed to be this true battle. And and they did face a complete Niners defense, which we'll talk about. So they, it's not like they weren't tested altogether, but the defense certainly has not been battle-tested. And 
which is interesting because I think coming away from that game, the, the Eagles pass rush was so overwhelming and you certainly can praise them for what they did to the Niners offensive line. But it is hard to draw super significant conclusions, um, especially facing off against, you know, what was the best offense in the NFL for much of the season and the best quarterback in the league after they faced, again, Christian McCaffrey under center at one oh point gosh. and then a Brock Brady who couldn't throw the ball. Yeah, so, like, I, I, I think that this is, I mean, both one seeds made it too, right? Like, right. The, it is the most desirable uh, advantage in the NFL for a reason, um, not just because of the buy, but because of the path you should hypothetically take. And the Eagles certainly had an, an easy-ish path. Well, that was a, uh, it wasn't supposed to be one of my answers, but I guess you made it into one of my answers. That was just a throwaway because it's nothing. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. The NFC sucking is not something they can control, but you can build up a really talented roster, which they did, despite the fact that no one else in the entire conference seemed to have as complete a roster, even the 49ers, who some people say is the best roster in football. Anyone who's saying that, uh, doesn't respect offensive alignment is all it comes down to because I think that that that's where you find the major difference and it's fair we don't know offensive alignment names we don't like to talk about them a bunch but as good as the 49ers running game is and their play action passing attack and their weapons on the outside are they have one great offensive lineman and that about it I want to put a pin in the NFC AFC thing because I actually do think it applies to something specific someone when it comes Ooh. to Niners offseason and which conference they might that person might prefer to play in. Okay, so what is your number one? Since that was a, a throwaway, what is the, your number the, one? The number one is is the AJ Brown yeah. thing, and that you could have predicted if you listened to me on this show in particular or any other show. Frankly, um, Patrick Mahomes is making me look dumb, but you could have predicted that I said the importance of a number one receiver, a true number one receiver. They have two of them there. Yeah. Uh, is hugely valuable for what it does for your offense, what it does for your quarterback, all the the and there's different types of number ones, and I think that's one of the things that they benefit from having. AJ Brown is a great like quarterback's uh, helper because <laughs> he wins the deep balls and he can do yards after catch. Like a guy like that takes so much pressure off your quarterback, takes so much pressure off the rest of your offense, and frankly, could take pressure off your offensive line if you so need it, but. The Eagles don't need that. There were games that they won this season, undoubtedly, because they traded for A.J. Brown. Jalen Hurts, I think, took a huge step as a passer in large part because they traded for A.J. Brown. Um, Three of the four teams in the final four had a preponderance of talent at skill player. And then you have the rule breaker, Patrick Mahomes, (laughs) where it doesn't matter. But we'll get to that. But um, yeah, I, I, I think... It, it will go down as one of the most astute moves made in the offseason. It uh, is probably why Howie Roseman will win executive of the year. I mean, he did a lot of other things that were really smart, but that was certainly one of them. Um, and it's kind of incredible, like in a game like this Niners game, it didn't matter that the Eagles weren't good passing in this game, in part because they're so dominant running the ball in the option game is so hard to stop, but also because if you're facing... Christian McCaffrey quarterback or Josh Johnson or a non-functional Brock Purdy, you don't have to really throw. Um, I do think that's going to become, you know, the, there'll be more pressure on them to throw the ball against the Kansas City Chiefs. It was funny. There was one moment, though, Dominique, where I was laughing. Um, so I'm sure if you listen to this pod, you've heard in other places talked about 
the Eagles run game and how much they scared the Niners with the RPO. And it was on the, the two back-to-back -back big runs. One was the Gainwell run to the left, and then the other was the Miles Sanders run with Kelsey pulling. On both of those plays, the, nine, or the Eagles had bunch formations to the right where, the again, the threat of the RPO clearly influenced the Niners linebackers. Seeing a frozen Fred Warner is just such a crazy like visual. It kind of blew my mind. But I, I bring this up only because I was laughing because on the first play, the Gainwell one, the bunch was A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. That's insane. Like, you know, it, it's the option game works really well for a litany of reasons. The run blocking, the run game, Jalen Hurts himself as the threat of a runner. But also having those guys makes it, you just, there's no right answers when it comes to this offense. And it starts with the fact that they have a true number one wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that all this stuff works so well together and uh it doesn't feel like this was a original plan which like it never can be it's always kind of an emergent strategy but it kind of feels like let's get a bunch of here and then figure out what they do well and build around them because i think that that speaks to the jalen hurts value is Putting the bunch on one side, having so many talented receivers that you or, or playmakers that, that you can put in different ways, that is like step one. Step two is like being able to run the ball well. And then step three is my quarterback can run it too. So like it's really hard to address all of that. And yeah. it it puts a lot of pressure on your playmakers. But honestly, I think it takes more pressure off the players and puts pressure on the coaches to adapt quickly. Because when you're playing a great team and a smart team, there are answers to everything that, that the Eagles can present. But how quickly can you adjust? And then this goes back to the players being smart and being adaptive. But how quickly can you adjust? Because they're going to be like, all right, we can stop the bunch. To your point, we can stop the bunch. We're going to put some of our great players over there. All right, well, we'll run it over here. All right, let's adjust to that. All right, maybe we'll go back to the bunch. You know, know what? We're not going to do that. We'll just run it with our quarterback. Like, it's just, it's it compounds. There, there was that moment where they had Hufanga out to the side. So when, yeah. you know, Hertz was killing them with the keeper with keep earlier. So they were like, okay, Nick Bosa, you, you play the keep. We'll put Hufanga out here. But then I think it was Miles Sanders who blocked Hufanga. And then uh, Jalen had his big run. I mean, it's just... The Eagles have so many counter punches to your punches, is to your point, that it's it's a real issue. All right, what's your number two takeaway? Number two takeaway is drafting Jordan Mailata in the seventh round. Like, it's it's the, it's underappreciated. <laughs> you know, like, we talk about how good this offensive line is, and we talk about Kelsey. We talk about um, Lane Johnson apparently not needing a groin. But <laughs> we don't give as much credit to the left tackle, which is traditionally yeah. the more difficult position, Jordan Mailata. And I think that not only does he deserve credit for being good or great, he was a seventh-round draft pick, a 6'8 rugby player. like that. He just you, learned how to play football. Yeah, like he, he's been a, a singer longer than he's been a football player. <laughs> and, he, yeah, he might be just as good at that. So, like, I think that um, is an incredible decision that worked out because of some luck and hard work and all that stuff. But, like, having two tackles, uh, having a generally a great offensive line, but two tackles on on both sides that neither of which do you have to, like, help 
Like, it's nice to help them sometimes. Yeah. But they're both a- athletic enough to be a part of the running game in a way that you don't always use tackles. Like, seeing how they use Kelsey because of his athleticism, man's running around the edge. Like, yeah, his brother's a tight end. And you see that they have similar genes, even though they don't look alike and they don't act very similarly. Uh, they don't dress the same. They act pretty I mean, similar. <laughs> no, they, 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 both, they both act weird. They don't act weird in the same way. They're both confident. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're both extremely confident. But, like, his athleticism, so I guess it's an offensive line in general, but I picked up my lot because I feel like he doesn't get enough credit. And the seventh round well, pick of it, like, is huge. I guess, you know, Jeff Stoutland is the offensive line maestro and run game coordinator. And whatever they're paying that dude, it's not enough, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how who else is out there. Like, if I was a team, I'd be trying to poach him. Like, I'd throw... A zillion dollars that, um, I mean, it, it's, it, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm sure he's on a contract or whatever, but my point is, like, if you can find a guy like that who can coach up offensive linemen, because it, it is funny, right? The the, um, the Eagles, I think it was Howie Roseman who coined the term quarterback factory and when they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, which people didn't love because they had Carson Wentz and all that, and, you know, we can certainly history <laughs> looks kindly upon that decision. But the reality is they're an O-line factory. Um, yeah. It is a position that they have committed resources, time, attention to, and it is the number one reason why they are so successful. All right, number three. Number three. Let me go back to my list. Hmm, what do I have here? Okay. Oh, yeah, the Jalen Hurts leap, which I guess we've already talked about some of the things around them. Mm-hmm that made him take the leap. And I think a lot of his quarterback numbers, I don't want to say inflated, but some of them, like we mentioned AJ Brown, some of those were like, throw it up over there near AJ. He's going to go get it. And, but I think by and large, he's been super effective. And I mean, I feel like I'm underselling how good he's been this year by saying he's been, been effective, but I don't want to lean on the conversations about his running ability or um, his, like physical traits, because I think the most impressive thing about his leap is like how quickly he makes decisions and how well he's, how good he's gotten at that. Because that's what we're talking about, all these adjustments being made. Part of the the um, the challenging thing about this offense is that Jalen Hurts seems to see the game much better than most players his age and much better than he did last year. And then he's gotten more accurate, which... We thought never could happen, but it's happened for him. It's happened for Josh Allen. It's happened twice in the last few years. Maybe it's a thing. Someone needs to do some think, reporting and tell us how that works. I think it's noteworthy that it's happened with two quarterbacks with incredible physical skill sets where those physical tools bought them the time to develop the other parts of their game. And Hurts, you know, it, it is, I think, telling in a game where he didn't have his best day throwing the ball. It didn't matter. Um, against a very, very good defense because of the influence that he has as a runner on that defense. And then, of course, that the fact that that's integrated into a, you know, a tremendous rushing attack, a tremendous offensive line. But none of it would be as effective if defenses didn't have to respect not just the threat of his legs, but his decision-making as an option quarterback. Um, and again, you know, also with the RPOs, he, he's become very, very, very good at... Um, running that system frankly um and then when you throw in the ac- the improved accuracy throwing the ball downfield again it was off this sunday but for most of the season it was very very good and it presents just again like an impossible 
set of circumstances for defenses to play when he, especially when he is throwing the ball well, then it's just like, good night. Um, yeah, it's as far as like lessons for other teams, you know, I do think that there's something, there's a lot there in terms of patience, athleticism, valuing athleticism, believing you can teach other things. But, um, you know, I, the other thing about Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, you always hear is that both have like this unbelievable work ethic and commitment to making themselves better. I always which... wonder when I hear, I mean, I believe it to be true for both of them, but I always wonder when I hear that because we never hear that about guys who stink. But I'm sure lots of he guys. He worked stink. really hard, but he's still yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, it's never. We also, I mean, some guys bust, and we're like, yeah, that guy didn't work that hard or whatever. But I'm sure there are lots of guys who work really hard, and it doesn't quite work out for them. There's something else going on. I think the hard work is certainly a part of it. But you can want it. Uh, uh, Will Bond said to me a few years ago, if like if hard work uh, determined how far you were, I would be Ernie Banks because like he really wanted to be a great baseball player, but. Just didn't have the talent. Uh, you got to have both, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Hot take. Um, yeah. All right. So I got the Chiefs. Um, why they're here this, up too. this season. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just. All right. I'm done. Waves of guys. <laughs> Hargrave was why. We t- like Reddit kind of was the story coming out of that game. But Har- watching Hargrave, I was reminded of how dominant he's been this season too. Kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Um, okay. Chiefs number one. Um, is I believe Patrick Mahomes took yet another leap as a quarterback. Uh, talked about this a little bit on NFL Live. This was something that I thought was really highlighted in the championship game, but you definitely saw over the course of the season, which is he, this is the year that Patrick Mahomes became unbelievably patient. Um, you know, it, it feels like so far removed that it, it it feels like another lifetime. But you remember last year, he was throwing interceptions. He was pushing the ball downfield. We said the words too high 5,000 times on ESPN. Didn't matter this year, man. Average at the target, way down. Mahomes willing to distribute to anyone, taking what the defense gave him. Um, and I thought this was incredibly important in the Bengals game because the second they started losing all those skill players and the Bengals, it became a lot easier for the Bengals to double Travis Kelsey. They were playing a lot of cover one, um, you know, where the safety was helping on Kelsey in the middle of the field. Mahomes said, all right, I'm not going to force the ball to Travis Kelsey. I am a different version of Patrick Mahomes. And I think it's why they won that game. His The checkdowns he took versus the blitz, the uh, his willingness to extend but not enforce it. it, it it's yeah. just really, really, it's like, Oh, okay. You're only 27. Like you, you are still levels. You're the greatest guy quarterback I've ever seen play the position, and you're still getting better, and that's scary. Listening to you explain that just kind of brought to mind how important it was for him to add that to his game, or to to modify his game throughout the course of this season and off season. Because had he had a full strength ankle, I'm not sure that's how he would approach this game. And I'm not sure that the way that he would have approached this game with a, a full ankle would have been the best way. So, like, I'm not going to go full, full Tony Romo and say that it's going to make him a better quarterback, which Tony said a ton of times. So like, oh, okay, I'm not going to go that place. But I think that there's something to be said for him assuming that he can make magic all the time. He does make magic more than most people. But I liked that he was like, all right, I can't. I'm going to step up in the pocket, and I'm going to make this decision. I think it's better for that team. It's more dangerous for this team if he does that. Because part of what happens when you break down the play is you then are 
like more reliant on your on the athleticism of the playmakers because it's like now you're playing sandlot backyard ball they don't got many athletic guys when they all yeah. get hurt so like it might have worked if, if tony stayed healthy juju's not like a super explosive athlete travis kelsey is hobbled but like he had to kind of pick him apart and then when it came down to it he had one run left and that was enough it's always going to be just enough from him. I mean, that's like the true mark of a superstar is like you feel like if he just has, you know, that one little run in his tank, that one crazy play, you're going to get it, you know? And th- I mean, that was the, the that was the longest run of the game. He had no <laughs> run game supporting him. Forget the loss of the skill players. They couldn't run the ball for yeah. And he, in that moment, it was like, all right, I need four yards. You're going to get five. I'm going to run the fastest that I've run this entire game. And then that's it, you know, and it's just truly adding to his legend. Um, But I do think that his maturation this season has been pretty remarkable. And um, yeah. Anyways. uh, Okay. Number two, this one, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. Uh, I think the Chiefs defensive improvement over the last couple of months is for real. Um, So weeks one through 11, the Chiefs' defense was 25th in EPA per play, weeks 12 through now, 4th. Um, they got better at pressuring, pressuring without blitzing, stopping the run. Still not the best run defense, but you saw a lot of improvement from young players. You know, Trent McDuffie gets back in the lineup. George Karloftis is doing more. All those rookie DBs. And I thought in this game, the championship game, it was it, it was validated because, dude, when Legereus Sneed went out of that game against oh, early those wide receivers, who's our best quarterback, <laughs> against those wide receivers, I was nervous. Yeah. And I, I was like, this is not going to go well. And look, they gave up some plays. You know, yeah. sometimes you double Jamar Chase and he's Jamar Chase. Sometimes T. Higgins mosses you because he's T. Higgins. But for the most part, I thought, like, this Chiefs defense. Um, in coverage, we knew the pass rush had an opportunity to win against that Bengals offensive line. I thought in coverage, they played pretty damn well. Sometimes you don't guard Hunter Henry because Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are out there. Like, it happens, I understand. Same HH. Yeah. It's really actually unfair that they have the same initials. I've I've never made that mistake before, but I think Bomani incepted me because he he said that he mixes them up on his podcast. Isn't Hunter Henry the infamous Stephen A.? Oh, yeah, when he did play. <laughs> that was classic. Love Stephen what, what a moment. All right. Um, yeah. Um, so what was I, I going to say? Something sometimes about he's, sometimes he's yeah. the other guys are going to get open. Yeah, the DBs, I was scared. When that happened, I was like, oh, this is going to be a blowout. This is not going to be a fun game. Patrick's not going to be able to go score for score on a bad ankle. And um, Larry Sneed went down. I would say that uh, this is an important thing I think is – when we're talking about should you pay your quarterback or not pay your quarterback, there's no question about it with Patrick Mahomes. But if you are trying to extend your window, this is when your front office needs to earn their money. So, like, we all say the way that you win a Super Bowl is with a quarterback on a rookie deal. Yeah, I think so. But I think the way you – I mean, that's the most obvious way. But I think the – to, to make it a, a like a, a more sharp point, the way you win your Super Bowl is value at positions. Yeah. 
So once you get to the point where your quarterback is no longer a value and you're going to have to actually pay him what market rate is for a quarterback, you got to hit elsewhere. And they, the Chiefs seem to have made their decision. They're going to invest in offensive line. They're going to invest in Patrick Mahomes. Good calls. They're going to have to hit value elsewhere. And when you do that, it's like the Karloftis and McDuffie come to mind. It's like they yeah. weren't great early in the year. And that's fine because the Chiefs aren't playing for early in the year. And that's how they approached it. And they hit – these are players who were productive in the most important moment. And that's the front office lesson is don't try to bully your quarterback. Don't make him feel guilty for wanting his money. Just do your damn job. Yeah. Like you have to hit a couple more times in the draft. Like it's, it's just the way it's going to have to be. And even if your quarterback's as good as Patrick Mahomes, if those guys weren't there, they would not win. It's plain and simple. If they failed, they wouldn't win without, and no one's going to be writing the think pieces about how George Karloftis and Trent McDuffie, well, I guess it wouldn't be a think piece, but like analysis pieces about how those were the pivotal draft picks that, that made this possible. But like, it's kind of true. I think it's going to take a while to truly evaluate the Tyree Kill trade, but you know, it does appear that this front office did make some good choices when it came to the players that they got, the players that they have developed. Um, I mean, shoot, when you have like Brian Cook tipping the ball to Josh Williams, Josh Williams, who got absolutely destroyed the last time these teams yes. played, these are young, developing players stepping up in big moments. I thought Steve Spagnuolo did a great job of supporting them. He has not always done a great job against this offense in the past. They were mostly just playing cover two in quarters. He was asking those safeties. The safeties were phenomenal in this game, by the way, to help them out. Um, didn't leave them on an island. You know, there was always two guys on Jamar Chase. And, I, you, they, you know, they were obviously helped by the pass rush, but... Um, they played well, man. They played well. And one more thing that this defense did, they tackled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, I, so I, I, I wanted to bring this up. So in 2021, week 17, when they played the Bengals, they allowed 8.9 yards after the catch per reception, which is a ton. The next game, the championship, 6.8. The next game, week 13 this year, 5.9 in this game, the 2022 AFC Championship, they allowed only 4.5 yards after catch per reception. That's arguably why they won this game, man. Like, because uh, you knew once that pass rush was going crazy, Joe Burrow was going to get the ball out super quickly, and they just had to tackle them. And there were so many moments where I thought, this is it. This is the one Jamar Chase breaks off, and it just didn't happen. Sometimes football is really complicated. We can talk about all the crazy things these coaches do. Sometimes the players just got to make their tackles. And in this game, the Chiefs did. Yeah, no matter how complicated you make it or how smart, how um, sophisticated your scheme is, it doesn't matter if you can't block and you can't tackle. That's what football always ends up coming <laughs> down to. Those, I guess it's not even what it comes down to. Those are the foundational blocks that like, we can't even talk about football. If you guys can't do that, if you can't do that. Part. But there's been so many moments, um, think, right, where the Chiefs defense um, hasn't been. I mentioned that I wanted a new stat. It might have been on Debatable, but I know I was talking to you, that I wanted a stat for EPA avoided. Like, yeah. when you break up a pass, like, what would the EPA have been had they caught this pass? I would like to add this to it. EPA after broken tackle. Mm. Because I I would like to know what, like, what is gained. So that previous game they had, like, you would see an EPA for a specific play. 
but we need to cut it off at where the first opportunity to have a tackle was and then let us know what was the EPA yeah. after that missed tackle to like determine because I think yards after contact as is kind of like average rushing yards like it gives you an idea for the game but it could be like it's not accounting for somebody had a 50 yard yeah, run right, yeah. off of one contact yeah that's a good point um because you, you, you maybe they're tackling well all day and it just you know one guy broke off a big run but i it but if but you're watching this game you, you, yeah, it was yeah, very yeah. like apparent especially in contrast to some of those past matchups where it was just like oh my god just bring what you know just one guy please bring him down i imagine it must have been um just annoying for chiefs fans okay my final takeaway i'll just this is a quick one um the chiefs also have one player on offense and one player on defense who are the best at their positions in the world. And that's Travis Kelsey, um, best tight end in the world and Chris Jones. And yeah. both of those guys have the ability to completely take over games. And yeah, that's, that's I like that. I like that as um, advice to young general managers, just get the best dude in the world. at <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. Get, get three guys on your team that are better than everyone else at what they do. Patrick, Chris, and Travis. You know, but then when we look at these teams and the roster construction, um, it is, you know, like, it, it is top heavy. You know, you have like these really, really, really talented superstars and then you, you got to find competence generally everywhere else. So, all right, let's take a quick break, come back and talk about the Niners and the Bengals. With Caesar Sportsbook and Casino, every bet earns with Caesar's rewards. That means whether you win or lose, you're always earning towards perks like free stays at iconic Caesar's properties, game tickets, dining, and more. And if you haven't started yet, here's a reminder. Your first bet is on Caesar's up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code OmahaFull and place your first bet. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get it all back as a free bet. Must be 21 or older, offer valid, and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit $1,250. Must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. No when to stop before you start gambling problem arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP colorado wyoming kansas affiliated with kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF louisiana call 1-877-770-STOP licensed through horseshoe bossier city and horace new orleans michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 gambler 1-800-426-2537 or west virginia visit 1-800-gambler.net new york call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text hope new york 467-369 this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition and I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans, Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com Mina for a $3 trial set. Okay, let's start with the Bengals because this is a little bit more straightforward than the Niners who are going to have an absolutely insane offseason. Um, I want to start by asking you a question that I, I it's not very nice. Okay, let me let me put some context first. Okay. The Bengals are probably going to pay Joe Burrow who's entering, you know, the fourth year of his deal. They, probably. So not, probably. Not, I mean, well, I know. But they like to get deals done early. Um, this feels like, you know, they're not going to drag it out. Um, yeah, he's going to make an F ton of money. So yeah. uh, that advantage goes away. So uh, Jamar Chase has still got some time. Teagans has one year left on his deal. And then here's this year's unrestricted free agents. Von Bell and Jesse Bates, both of them, Hayden Hurst, Eli Apple, Jermaine Pratt, Samaje P. Ryan, quietly very important for them, uh, Trey Flowers, Drew Sample. And then beyond that, though, there's a, a few guys with one year left, DJ Reader, Tyler Boyd, Logan Wilson. So I guess, you know, and then they drafted guys like they draft Dax Hill in the first round to be the next Jesse Bates, but he doesn't really play. Cam Taylor Britt does play. He was a cornerback. Do you feel like this was their best shot? Or let me rephrase that, the easiest yeah. shot that they'll have. Um, I don't know what the right terminology to use is, but I think you're asking the right question, and the answer to that question is yes. Like, I don't know if best shot, easiest shot. Like, I'm not sure how to phrase this, but I think that – I think this is the way to think about it, is if you look at the – the um, Chiefs run is like it's clear that we're now in the Chiefs second window not everyone is able to create a second window now they're going to have to redo it like there's going to have to enter this phase where it's now time to rethink how they're approaching this and that is much more difficult than like all right grab a guy here grab a guy there all right, we're going to plug this hole, plug that hole we need a little help here we need a little help there and let's go for it now it's time to start thinking about the Tyreek Hill trade, it's, it's time to start thinking about yeah. moves that they can make. So, like, they can go about it a couple different ways. Is You can go all – try to go all in this next year and try to win uh, and pay everybody and push off um, any uh, big expenditures into the future. Or you can try to, like – start building for your next run. Like I, I thought this was going to be the weakest year that the chiefs had. And I think 
they overcame a lot and made it deep and all that. But I think that th- this year or next year will be this year for the Chief for the Bengals, if that makes sense. Like the way that the 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 Chiefs are now will be next year for the Bengals, which I guess turned out pretty well for. Them. Yeah, I mean, like, look, when you have the quarterback, everything yeah. else is easier. So it's going. I think the way to I think of it is life is going to continuously get harder for them from here on out, but they're still going to be favorites every year because you got the quarterback. And and when I say favorites, I mean, oh hey, Bill, Judy, fine, well. <laughs> Um, for the podcast audience, Bill Barnwell just appeared on the TV behind Dominique, looking very dapper today in a suit. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's going to get harder. They're going to have to do all of the things, you know, that we just talked about, frankly, the Chiefs doing in terms of, like, finding value and figuring out where you want to invest. And, you know, you could argue, like, Jamar Chase has the potential to be that the best wide receiver in the NFL in the way that we just talked about Travis Kelsey, for example. I think... The thing that I, I'm going to be thinking about a lot is the T. Higgins aspect of it because it's very hard to pay That's two wide question. receivers as at the level that both Jamar Chase and T. Higgins deserve. Um, so they're going to have, I think, big decisions about, you know, with, with T. Higgins in his last year, do we, like, say, okay, well, we got him now. Let's Like you said, let's go all in on this year. Let's find a way to maximize our roster now. Or do we start thinking ahead a little bit, maybe even draft a receiver this year, you know, I, uh, it's going to be a little bit tricky. And then, man, that's a lot of losses on that defense. I think they're probably going to keep Luana Rumo, who interviewed for the Cardinals job, but um, which certainly helps things. And there's still a lot of talent on that defensive line. But, you know, this was a defense that was really built in a lot of ways through free agency. Um, last year, we talked about how they hit on all of those free agent signings. They made a lot of really smart choices. Uh, and as those guys leave, they're going to be more dependent on young talent to step up and fill those roles. Yep. I'm getting a COVID test as we speak. <laughs> Are you just going to keep doing do it on camera? Is it a nose one? Why not? Yeah, they're going to get up in there. Okay. While you're getting your tested, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, no, I, have, I had answers for you about that okay. other one now. Okay. Answer I mean, that. but I guess I, I, it made me think about Kelsey and oh no, you go, you go right ahead. Oh, okay. Fine. Made me think about um, Travis Kelsey and um, uh, Tyreek Hill because like they obviously moved on from Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill had to go. But Tyreek Hill receivers are obviously more expensive, so like the idea of keeping a receiver and a tight end, like I think is feasible. But the idea of keeping two uh, top level receivers, thank you, bye two top-level receivers is a lot more challenging, uh, a lot more expensive. And I can't imagine – yeah, I, I don't know what to do if I'm there, honestly. Like, I, I feel like my choice would be go all in and try to win next year. And then we figure it out after that and well, not try can, to – If you do a long-term deal with Burrow, you can structure it so as to, you know, it's it, to have cap space next year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. But I guess the the point is you're gonna have to pay at some point. the The big question yeah. is the big question for them is what you're gonna do with all these defensive bodies, and what are you gonna do? Like the major question one you brought up is um, Chase and Higgins is are you going to build around your big three being Chase Higgins and Burrow, or are you not? The one thing that that I would push back against the idea of keeping all three of them is receiver seems like the most like 
plentiful position in the draft at, in the draft yeah and if you can keep just just yeah. keep using the capital to draft receivers oh. a couple it just yeah. sucks because uh, uh, so jonah williams is one year left by the way who's their first round left tackle i mean they could uh-huh. potentially option him i it's i guess they probably they're gonna have to be really judicious about that with higgins too they could maybe get another year he was a first round draft pick right or no was he second yeah he, i think he was first mm. In any case, um, I just remember being surprised how in, how in on Chase they were, considering how high they had drafted Higgins. It's they just were felled by the injuries on the offensive line, so to go all to to be like we're going to spend everything on two wide receivers. It's like oh, when you he go thirty third. He was thirty third. Yeah, all right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean. You ever go to a restaurant and you eat too many entrees or appetizers because the appetizers are so good and by the time the entrees get there, you're full? I feel like that is what it would be like if they just spent all their money on wide receiver. Like, you know, because you're kind of, you're ending up maybe with the same result if the offensive line suffers attrition. I don't know. It's it's really tricky, but it seems like it would be very difficult for them to keep both. I'll just wait to see what they do and then I'll decide that that was the wrong thing. (laughs) <laughs> and I'll <laughs> and I'll argue that they made the wrong decision. That's the move. I think I do. I do think that they should draft a wide receiver. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Um, okay. The Niners. So, Brock Purdy gets out, goes out during that game. The game, basically, from a Niners perspective, becomes kind of pointless and sad. And then we immediately find out, in an even sadder note, that Purdy completely tore his UCL. That that man was out there smiling, handing the ball off, <laughs> pitching it with a torn, completely torn UCL. So shout out to Brock Purdy. Um, that's tricky because it's a complicated injury. It's one where the timeline is unclear. Potentially, depending on whether it's like a full Tommy John style reconstruction or just a repair. He might be back for camp. He might not. So massive uncertainty there. You've got Trey Lance, the three overall, number three overall pick. They traded multiple first rounders for who played like, you know, very little football is coming back from injury before then off the ankle. So terrible injury. And Jimmy Garoppolo is out of the building. Yeah. So That's you got you those. Last time. I, I, I think, <laughs> especially because of the injury thing, it's like you can't, they can't do the Jimmy Garoppolo thing again, I think. Yeah. 
what, let me ask you this. If you're the Niners, oh, I, I think I should, I should also give cap space context. Not a lot of cap space. Uh, 35 guys under contract, I saw. Tons of free agents. Mike McGlinchey, notably. Ward. Ebukam. Gibson. I'm missing a couple other guys. Brunskill. But McGlinchey is the one that I think is... is and, oh, of course, Bose is on his last year, so he's going to get a big deal this year. So knowing that, here are your three options. I'm actually going to do two, two options. Brock Purdy, Trey Lance... Are you starting quarterbacks? And yeah, they have a QB competition. Maybe draft someone or bring in a free agent. Try to convince Tom Brady to sign a team-friendly deal. What would you do? You, there's no reason you have to choose. I mean, you can try to get Tom Brady to sign a team-friendly deal and then fall back on those other two if possible, like, um, or if necessary. I don't know the right answer to this. I think <laughs> best case scenario is Trey Lance turns into a number three overall draft pick because this offense with Trey Lance playing well is better than you can imagine with anybody else, including Tom Brady. Yeah. Or at least including the version of Tom Brady that we've most recently seen, the version. And maybe he's a different player. Um, under different circumstances, but the most important circumstance that he needs is protection, and they don't have that there either. Um, I don't know that... I mean, Kyle Shanahan obviously can coordinate an offense for uh, someone with um, Tom Brady's skill set, but I don't know that these receivers are the receivers that Tom Brady want. Like, we don't appreciate how perfect that Tampa Bay situation was. I, I, I'm, I'm so glad you're t saying this because on one hand, Tom Brady, Kyle Shanahan, that offense, Super Bowl. On the other hand, we've actually never seen Tom Brady. I mean, it, it's a very different fit. Um, it is. Where, I mean, Tom I Brady, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I think it would work because yeah. these guys are very, very smart and the skill players are amazing. But like, you know, Tom Brady would be ceding a lot of control at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they, one of those guys would have to really kind of change things up if this were to happen. That's an interesting point to bring up because what that makes me think is, uh, is do the value that both of them bring to the team overlap too much? Ooh. You know what I mean? So like right. the best case scenario for Kyle Shanahan and his ability to like scheme things is like, you want somebody who's a super athlete who can throw the ball accurately and like that's that's it because he will cover up his value is like making the reads easier taking the pressure off you with the running game finding ways to accentuate your strengths i feel like that's the same thing that tom brady brings to the table is like the the pre-snap and the offensive design and structure like you want i i would love for nothing more than for kyle shanahan to have a big fancy brand new toy with all the bells and whistles that ain't tom brady tom brady is like a different type of guy and I, I don't know no that's such an interesting point about their skill sets being like sort of duplicative it's yeah, it's weird it's, right like you know because yeah and it's also like the credibility i think that's something else that tom brady brings he like brings this credibility and automatic confidence that we're a competitor these are things that he brings to places that that Kyle Shanahan already got 
You know, like there's nobody. Players already want to play for Kyle Shanahan, and they already know that they're automatically going to be competitive if Kyle Shanahan is there. I don't think Debo Samuel is out here thinking like, oh, man, if Tom Brady gets here, now watch my numbers. <laughs> no. So would you consider then hoping that Lance gets healthy and improves and bringing in more like a Jacoby Brissett type, like a kind of yeah. middle-of-the-pack free agent you know, to give them some continuity and competition, not continuity, uh, some competition right. and I guess solidity. Yeah. Um, but then hope, you know, really hope that either Purdy or Lance is the guy. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you have to take a shot at Tom Brady. <laughs> after I, all I, of it. After all that, it's like, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I would like to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'd rather go the Trey Lance route. As stupid as that sounds, I'd rather go the Trey Lance route than the Tom Brady route because I have supreme confidence in my ability. Well, and yeah, financially, it would certainly make it easier for them to keep more of those players. So yeah. there's that as well depending on what Tom Brady would be willing to do, which is the other great unknown in all of this. Man, there are no, there's like no good answers here. There's no perfect answers. There's a lot of complexity and a lot of unknowns. The unknown of Lance's injury and whether he can, you know, develop the unknown of Purdy's injury, which is super serious. The unknown of what Tom Brady wants, what he requires financially. But I'll say this. I got to think Kyle Janhan standing on the sideline, watching Christian McCaffrey go out there as his quarterback, some part of his brain had to have been thinking, just bring me Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do yeah. this again. I can't do this yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you're right. But I think he might be quarterback cursed. I think it might even be strong enough to take down the great Tom Brady. He can't, he can't freaking get it right at the quarterback spot. It really, it is like, God said, all right. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to make you the greatest offensive play caller in modern NFL history. I'm going to give you some of the coolest, most interesting skill players this world has ever seen. You are going to roll out an offense that's basically impossible to stop. And Kyle's like, yeah, yeah, this is all good. This is good. There's just one thing. I'm never going to give you a good quarterback. <laughs> Not once. It's so messed up. <laughs> it is. I don't know. I feel like it's an old TikTok trend now, but they used to do this thing where God would like pour water into like different areas that represented like making a person. And it's like, hey, oh, like brains. a little bit of this, a little yeah, bit of this. a little bit of that. Like he, he definitely just gave a little drop of quarterback, just a little <laughs> teaspoon of quarterback, and just drenched everything else. <laughs> That's so brutal. All right. Well, Niners, you have some interesting choices to make. Uh, very curious to see how that plays out. All right, Dominique, thanks for joining me. As always, this is fun. Check out the Dominique Foxworth Show wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out next week. We will actually preview the Super Bowl. <laughs>